one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to Mum's The Word, the parenting podcast. I'm Kat Shube and I'm going to be covering for the wonderful Ashley while she's on maternity leave after the birth of her gorgeous, beautiful little girl. Congratulations, Ashley. Uh, I'm a DJ, television and radio presenter. You might recognise my voice from the weekend shows on Magic Radio. Come and see me at the weekend, Saturday and Sunday from one o'clock. I'm a mum as well to a little boy called Ruben. He was born on the 8th of the 9th, 21. So he's nearly two. He's going to be two in September and the terrible twos have come very early to our household so it's very fun at the moment as you can imagine. One of the hardest things I found when I became a parent was how full-on it all is which I know everyone's sort of aware of before before you give birth but um, yeah from the minute you open your eyes you're on the go that that I hadn't quite factored in and also that um, you are no longer allowed to be unwell when you're unwell you just got to get through it you just got to get through that <laughs> there's no time one of the most surprising things I found since becoming a mother is just how basically when you meet another mum and you can tell them the sort of deepest darkest secrets about yourself very 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 open how quickly you can tell another mum your ailments your birth story everything that's happened to you and your vagina in those months um, and my favorite thing so far since becoming a mum is just hearing him say the word mummy hearing him be excited him being excited when he sees me and if he's watching something or he sees something new a new animal for the first time and he'll check to see if i'm enjoying it as well with a big smile on his face and I think they're my favourite moments. Right, so every week we're going to be speaking to a brand new guest from the world of parenthood to give us tips and encouragement that they've learned from their expertise or experience. Now, before we start, I want to issue a trigger warning as this episode features talk on miscarriage. So if this isn't for you, we have plenty of other episodes for you to enjoy on the Mums The Word podcast channel. Now, this week, we have the wonderful Martha Keith here. She recently went viral when she became pregnant after seven rounds of IVF and four miscarriages, sadly, as well. She is also the founder of stationery brand, Martha Brooke. She's here. Hi, yeah, Martha. Hi. So hi. nice to be here. This is extremely exciting. Oh, I've got some of your stationery as well. Oh, it's do beautiful. You? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was lucky enough to be given some of your stationery a while ago. One of many events, these things happen, don't they? You know, in the showbiz land of, of going to parties and stuff like that. It's beautiful. And I haven't written in it because 
it's so lovely. But that, that is the thing. If you like stationery, it's the getting over the hurdle of starting the first page. I feel like I need like my little boy to scribble in it first, and then I'll be like, okay, right now I can use it. All of my all of my notebooks are scribbled. I can in, you know you can imagine I with can a imagine. with a five and a half year old. But it's an honour to be here. Really, really excited to chat about to chat about my experiences and um, yeah. Well, your journey to motherhood hasn't been easy. You no. said you've already got a little girl. You've got she's five. Did you say she is? Yeah, she's five and a half. She's yeah. born um, in January. Back in 2018, which feels like a long time ago, she is also an IVF baby. And I think, well, I don't, I don't know about you, but I feel like periods have dominated my whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether all women find this, but I think, you know, back, you know, back when I, when they started, when they started, and I, I now know about endometriosis and I didn't know about it at the time, but when they, they first started when I was 11 and you know, by 14, I was just, I was just in the you know, agony every month and I just thought it was normal or I was told it was normal. And I think that's really where this all began was, mm. was, was, was these painful periods that I hadn't, I hadn't realized were actually, you know, a symptom of something, something bigger. And I, you know, even though may, many people may have had similar experiences, but, you know, I'd have my period when I was um, a teenager and I would just have this like shooting pain around my pelvis, like up my back, down my legs. I'd be unable to stand up. I, I was just told, oh no, you've got heavy periods, kind of get on with it. Yeah, it's all sort of shrouded it's in a lot weird. of mystery as well when you're young, isn't it? Yeah. And and there wasn't ever, I mean, now I think there's a bit more awareness of it. But I remember, I remember when I started my period in school and I went to the head teacher and, and she sort of quietly went, well done. <laughs> my mum well was done. so excited when I started my period. She literally had a sanitary towel. She was like, like as if it's the greatest moment of my life. The holy like, grail. holy grail of handing me the sanitary towel. <laughs> uh, why are people so excited about periods? They're so shit. Yeah, they're so shit. And especially if you have endometriosis, which is so painful and so awful. In the beginning, I guess... Did you ask friends? Were you looking at your friends and saying, are yours this painful? Yeah. Why am I this bad? I remember my, my best friend, she was a gymnast. So hers didn't start till she was about 15 or 16. You know, it sort of delays it a bit. And she just you know, pulled out a tampon, went to the loo. That was that. It was so easy. And I remember thinking, God, maybe it's just me. I'm just... I'm just, you know, maybe it's me that's 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 kind of the weird one. <laughs> I can't handle pain. I maybe can't, maybe, like, maybe I'm what's just happening? really rubbish with pain. And I, I, I think now we're talking about it more, which mm. I think is so important because back then it was a really taboo thing to talk about your period. It was just yeah. something you had to do by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Secretly in the toilet with other girls or at home with oh, your mum. Yeah. No, even though I went to an all girls school, like it was just really, really hush hush, apart from the awful moment where, I don't know you had this when you were at school where everyone was sitting down in assembly and like you'd be standing up like because you're really worried that your period had God, leaked. I know. Did you ever have that? Yeah, so you had your oh jumper tied around your I waist. I used to wear and shorts everything. underneath my dress. Oh, I was so awful looking back. <laughs> I think obviously I had really heavy periods, but I think now we're talking about it more, which is great. Yeah. And now I think endometriosis awareness is becoming bigger but back then I'd never ever heard of it so it's something I just you know I learned I learned to live with and I, I mean I literally I planned my whole life around my menstrual cycle you know from probably about the age of 18 I'd be planning holidays I'd be planning going out because I knew there were certain times of the month where I just wouldn't you know I wouldn't be able to do it and it, it got to the point where I, I had problems with my bowel I was you know clinically anemic and I'd just be going to work, you know, putting on a brave face and coming home just absolutely exhausted. And even though I had been to the doctor about all these other ailments, mm. nobody ever said, oh, maybe it's maybe it's this. And I, I do think that when you've got a male GP, you're not to stereotype, but my, my GP was so bad. He was just, you know, pull yourself together. 
Really? You know, this is just. Do you think a, it's because he didn't know about it, or because he didn't know. want to talk about it? I or? don't know. I, I, maybe awareness was just not a big thing back then. Um, maybe it's hard. Maybe it's hard when you've got a young girl in front of you, and it's something you you know you don't experience yourself. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I think. Yeah. I think. It, I think times have changed. I mean, this was going back. I'm old. No, no. You're not old. We're the same age. Take that back. <laughs> no, we're not this, old. No, 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 I'm not old. No, I've, I've turned forty this year. That's been traumatising for me. It's been traumatising. Do you think it's the pressure of um, last chance saloon to be a mum that it's always been on you? You know, not Maybe. you on most on most women that this yeah. is that you know the clock is ticking. I and think like- I think motherhood and age is a really it's really hard. Mm. I think you do you don't really compare yourself to other people at all when you're younger, do you? But then no. when you get to about thirty, you start to kind of compare where you are in your life versus people of a similar age and things like babies and marriage. And yeah. It's quite hard. Yeah. And I think especially when you when you struggle with your fertility, I think it's really, really difficult when you see other people doing things and you feel like you're behind. Yeah. So I think for me, it was I'd always imagined, you know, to have a family by a certain age. I think that was probably the 40 thing being really, really difficult for me. But anyway, so I, I didn't, it wasn't until I got married, four years after marriage, that I finally got referred to a consultant. So this was, you know, probably having been through this for 20 years and finally um, had a laparoscopy, which is where they go in through your tummy button and a hysteroscopy where they go in through your vagina and discovered I was absolutely riddled with endometriosis. You know, it was wrapping wrap around my bowel, around my pelvis, around my ovaries, you know, I was, it was just, it was everywhere. And, all, and for anyone that doesn't know about yeah. what endometriosis is, what what is that exactly so that is wrapped around? So endometrial tissue, so tissue that's similar to the lining of the womb, grows elsewhere in your body. Right. And they don't really know why it happens, but, or, or, you know, how it even gets there, but it can get all into your abdominal cavity. And, you know, for some people, it's, it's, it's really debilitating. It depends on kind of what level you have. So what happens is every time you have your period, obviously your menstrual tissue breaks down and you bleed, but that tissue as well also breaks down. So it causes, it builds up and it causes scarring. So scar tissue that, you know, it can really damage parts of your, mm. like your organs and yeah. it's extremely painful. And if left untreated, could cause infertility problems. So I think for young people nowadays who have got extremely heavy, painful, painful periods, it's really important they get them checked out because like, yeah. oh, I was just told to get on with it. Yeah. And actually over time it can build up and become a real problem. So I, I had I had so much of it, and he he was great. He removed he removed a lot of it, a lot of the scar tissue as, as best as he could. But I was told I would never be able to have children, and this was when I was um, you know early thirties by this point. And it's was a really hard. How really, did you feel that moment? Oh, it, it was so so hard. I remember. I think I was when you're younger, you sort of think, oh, you can work hard and you can you know achieve what you know what you want in life. Yeah. And then there comes to a point where you realise that that's not the case. And I just think, remember feeling like an absolute failure. There was one, there was one thing I really wanted to do in life and I, I, I couldn't do it. And I felt like I really let my husband down. I just felt, I think failure was the first thing. And I think secondly, it was a kind of grief. Yeah. Gosh, this it was around this time that I was told this, that my sister also got pregnant. And of course I was overjoyed for her, but it's this really weird thing of this kind of lodging in your chest of this, you know, this pain of, gosh, maybe I'm never going to have, maybe I'm never going to have this. Like a permanent lump yeah, just like sitting a permanent, there. And- like an- anxiousness in your chest. And I think what's, what's really, what really I find so strange is that at school you, I mean, I went to a Catholic school and it was drummed into you, the fear of, fear of getting pregnant. 
the fear of getting pregnant outside of marriage or the fear, yeah. you know. No one ever talks to you about fertility. No. No, it's, it's it, you know, it, you have to get told about sex and all that jazz, but yeah, no one ever mentions. Of, yeah, the act of sex and all the rest yeah, of it, but nothing yeah, about No, that. no. So I spent my whole 20s, you know, paranoid. Yes. You know, paranoid. We straight oh on the pill. Gosh, We're like yeah. trying actively to not yeah. get pregnant. Give me the condoms, you know, all the things. I do not want to get pregnant. Um, I remember, you know, taking the morning after pill at one point because I was yeah. really worried that a condom had broken. But no one ever tells you that it's just not, necessarily gonna happen like that for you and the more i'm really passionate now about talking about this because i think there are so many people that just assume oh you know i'll get to a certain point in my life and i'll have a baby you know babies is great yeah but it just doesn't it doesn't work like that for everyone and i for it's, it's a real disconnect between people that find it quite easy to get pregnant and then people that struggle and when you struggle it's 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 so so hard to explain how, you know the feeling of walking around and you know you see babies you suddenly see babies and pregnant people everywhere well yeah and it's that age as well where everyone is falling pregnant because yeah. everyone's had the same idea yeah. we'll wait till we're 30 yeah. and do it yeah. then so suddenly you do that and also it's like it's like the other way around as well if you have had a night say where the condom was broken or you haven't managed to get the morning after pill suddenly you see um pregnancy tests everywhere oh, don't yeah. you and then oh, you're yeah. like well i'm definitely pregnant now because <laughs> so it's the minute that you focus on something that and you've been told you can't have a child yeah. I mean your world has just been completely turned it's upside down it's so hard and I think you know for anyone that's been known trying for a number of years and, and struggling with it or you know had tr- have, has tried you know, before they've got pregnant they'll know it's just this this heartache of of wanting something so badly and obviously the more you want it the more it's probably not it's probably not good for you because you probably your body's you know builds up you know a level of kind of stress to mm. you know, stress which obviously d- probably doesn't help although my my, this consultant guy who I've now been seeing for about 10 years he's oh, I love him he's amazing <laughs> he's convinced that stress doesn't make a difference because he's like people get pregnant all the time and whatever the situation um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, so he said to me you'll never you know you'll never be able to have children naturally but at least he put the naturally he put in the naturally he didn't you know you'll not be able to have children naturally but there are things we can try mm. I really feel grateful that I did eventually, you know, push to get referred and 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 find that out, find out that, you know, I do have this condition. It's a it's really, really difficult feeling to you know, not be able to do the thing that you really want to do. And I, I think for many, for many women, I'm sure they've been in this position where it's, it's impossible to explain to people that, you know, get pregnant easily. And you think, oh, so I remember someone saying to me, oh, it took me six months to get pregnant after I got married. And I was thinking, God, that's just- You lucky thing. You lucky thing. <laughs> yeah. That's just, I would, so what, a, what a dream. What a dream. Yeah. So it was at that point we embarked on, as you said, what's now been, you know, seven rounds of IVF and becoming very familiar with the fertility clinic and two hysteroscopies. You put your body through an awful lot. Oh, it's, a, it's such a lot. I mean, IVF is- a lot it's financially draining yeah. physically draining emotionally draining you know you, you, you women as women we're tough you know we will we'll do this we'll do this if we if it's something that you know we really really mm. want such amazing how tough we are I, you know, I said my life's been dominated by periods but you know all of this all the fertility stuff all the IVF and then of course there's childbirth and then there's menopause yeah. I mean god what do we, this, can we just get a break so, can please? we get a break you know, it's so hard <laughs> but um, no so I, IVF is well the first thing to say is that it really depends on where you live as to how much you get funded for mm-hmm. which I think is wrong it's a postcode lottery so and it's nothing to do with you know how well off you are it's, it's to do with literally where you live is that in terms of being in Wales or England do you mean or no. 
is it like no just- so it's done by um like local clinical authority it seems to be completely random it's just how they allocate their funding so i think there's one or two areas of the country and it's like it's basically by postcode that will give you no rounds at all in the NHS, up to three rounds on the NHS. That seems bizarre. How, how did they make that decision? It's completely random. It's not even remotely related to, as I say, the, you know, how wealthy the area is, or, you know, it's just, it's just purely based on your postcode. I wonder if people have moved to make things happen. They may, they may well have done because it is so expensive. So we got one round on the NHS. I'm fortunate that that IVF clinic is a really good clinic and also does do private rounds, but the private rounds there, because it's an NHS, NHS clinic are really reasonable because some of the, the rounds I looked at at other private clinics, it's, it's just yeah, ridiculous. And they add all these extras on all embryo glue. And-, and also, I know my friend went through it and I hope she doesn't mind me talking about it. They all they do deals on it. So oh, you can yeah. have three goes for a certain yeah. amount. And yeah. I just think the price on a life like that, no. where you can buy it as a no. almost a Groupon. No, the, the <laughs> private clinics. It's, the private clinics are really strange. They're like, oh, we do with this, you know, pay extra of embryo testing, or you know, all these extra things. Then you don't know whether you should do it or not. So, and also, you don't want to think that you're going to have to do it three no, times. Like no. that. But to put that on someone, to put that on a yeah. person, that. Then they go and have to do it again, and you're a bit getting penalised mm. for not buying the deal in the beginning because it hasn't worked for you. I think oh, is that's barbaric. You, when you start off, you have a fresh cycle, so you're having to, you know, swell your ovaries and follicles up to get the eggs out. And is that uncomfortable? Is it? Oh, yeah. So you essentially you're, you know, you have lots and lots and lots of scans, internal scans. So they go up your vagina, you know, <laughs> and you've and been poked a lot. I've been poked. A lot. I mean, literally, <laughs> the lady. I went, I, went, say it, it I went the other day to, to the doctors, and they were like, "Oh, do you mind if we?" I was like, "Seriously." I've had so many people stare at my private parts. You can do what you like. <laughs> I remember someone the other day moaning at me about having a smear and I was like, do not moan at me yeah. about having a smear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you get they work out, you know, your timing versus your time of the month and then you have to start injecting yourself. And I, I really hate needles. Yeah, yeah I just yeah. hate them so much. I, I just can't even look at them. So my poor husband, he was, he was had to do the majority of the injections. So it's, it's either in your stomach or in your thighs. And and then you have these pessaries that go up, go up your vagina again and pills and stuff. And essentially what they're trying to do is they, they sweat, they're trying to get you to produce more um, follicles in your, your ovaries. But my ovaries swell up to the size of tennis balls and it is so painful. Oh, wow. Like, you, you know, you're really struggling to walk. Can you feel them you as well? Yeah, you can, you can really feel it. Oh. It's really uncomfortable and you feel sick all the time. And you can imagine, you know, how much hormones affect you. You just feel I just, I would burst into tears mm. like all the time, just spontaneously cr- start crying and meetings and things are so embarrassing. Did you tell people that you were going through this at the time? You yeah. Did you people aware? Well, I, I, I count myself extremely fortunate that I run a business. So I was actually really open and honest with my team because, you know, I, could, I, I kind of couldn't not be. And also I, I try and, you know, lead by example, I think it's really important to be honest about these sorts of things. Mm. And I would want them to tell me if they they had something. And actually, subsequently, I did have a girl on my team go through IVF, which is, I'm, I'm really glad I'd had my experience because I was able to, you know, give her as much time off as she needed and, you know, create that supportive environment for her because it is such a lot. And you, you expect her to turn up to work, put a brave face in it. Yeah. I think if I was doing my old, my old life, because I, before I started Martha Brooke, 
I work for a really large corporate company who shall remain nameless. <laughs> and I remember it was like frowned upon if you took, you know, any sort of leave for anything, yeah. you know, related anything to anything other than a death. I think I would have found it really hard in that in that situation. I, I think it's possible that since then, I left there 10 years ago, that people are becoming more more understanding of these sorts of things. But yeah, you know, I was very open with my team. If stress doesn't help in terms of getting pregnant anyway, yeah. the stress yeah. on you of keeping that secret and having to put on a brave face every oh, day yeah. is not is not healthy no, to no. try and have, to try and make that the IVF work the best it can. No, because you're going through this cycle of, you know, hope. And then if it doesn't work, you know, the, the kind of despair, it's, it's it, you know, you do need that support around you. I think it's, even if you don't, you know, tell everyone at work, and I understand if you work in a different environment that you you wouldn't having a one or two people that know that can give you that support because you know you're injecting yourself and you're turning up at work and you you don't feel great, but you mm. know you get on with your job. So yeah, so you you do this process where your 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 ovaries swell up and then eventually you get your eggs collected, and it varies very much by women and by age as to how many eggs you know, you produce. And I think that's the thing for some women that find it really hard. They may only produce one or two, one or two eggs. And then you, you mix them with the, the sperm and you hope that they're going to fertilize. And then There's you get so to, much hope on that. It's, as well. so, it's, so, it's the weird, the weirdest, that, that feeling when you're waiting overnight for them to phone up and say how many are fertilized. And then you wait a bit more for they, for them to tell you up to five days as to how many are good enough. Oh God, what did you do with yourself oh, in it's, that time? It's, it's, oh, it's, it's horrific. And then hopefully you get one that's good enough to put in. And if you're really lucky, you get more than one. So you can have freeze them and then do a frozen cycle, um, which is less bad than a fresh cycle, but still depending on how much drugs they give you, it's still pretty, um, pretty full on. And then once they put it in, of course, you've got the horrible two week wait where you're after, you know, two months of going through this, you're waiting to see whether it's worked. How did you manage the hope going into it? What did you... We were really lucky with our first round of IVF. We had my daughter. And then since then, we have had six rounds and four miscarriages. For me, because I had had one ex positive experience, that really helped me because I knew what the outcome could be at the end. But mm. I think if you've never had that... The hope and then despair, it's, it's just a lot because you can... Because the process is so draining and takes so much out of you you have to believe that it's going to work yeah that's what you're holding on to the what the holding on to this outcome that I can I can have this baby at the end of the day and as soon as you stop believing in that you just just don't want to do it anymore mm. um and I I did get to that point this time last year I was at I was really at my lowest point and how many rounds had you been through by then so that I'd been six six rounds by then five rounds trying for the second baby right. I, was, I just had the fourth miscarriage and it was it was all, it was the worst of the worst of all the miscarriages. Um, I mean, you may know they could deal with miscarriages in different ways. I've had them. I've had all of the options now, and it was the worst way of dealing with it. Which I won't go into detail, but I'd been in a hospital, and it was it was really really awful and quite actually quite traumatic. Are you offered any counselling after that? Is there anything available? What happens? What happens? Do you? I mean, do you just go home? I you don't, just, I don't yeah, understand so the process. It was, um, so there's a, a process called manual vacuum aspiration where it sucked out of you, and they were trialling this hospital the use of a virtual reality headset. <laughs> what were you put on a so virtual reality headset? So you put in a headset and it looks like you're walking through a field while they're doing this process. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's bizarre. No, it was so bizarre. I was honestly, it was so. Bizarre. I honestly can't tell you how to. Imagine. Do you get to choose your scenery? No, you don't. No, no, no. I, I, at the end, I had to take this. I had to take this headset off because it was just, it was just really weird. Yeah, really out. freaky. Really freaking me out. So no, they don't. They don't. You're kind of sent home, and that's sort of it. I mean, luckily, my my IVF clinic have offered me um, 
cancer. I did actually have some hypnotherapy to process to process some of it because I was just was really finding mainly the headset, mainly the headset, yeah, <laughs> mainly the virtual reality. Headset. But it's really weird because I saw this on the BBC News actually, like weirdly a few weeks after I'd had it done. And they, they were talking about how great this virtual reality headset was. And I was thinking it really wasn't, really wasn't great. Yeah. It was really glitchy as well. It didn't really even work. I was just, it was so, yeah. It might work for some people though. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. It takes your mind yeah. on it. it, takes your mind. it yeah. I much prefer the one where they put you to sleep and you wake up and yeah. they've done it. It's much better. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I just had that. And then they'd, they'd refer me to a recurrent miscarriage unit to do some investigations to see if they could work out why you know why, why I kept miscarrying and of course they know that title as well that's, oh it's horrible yeah. and you know they don't know that what I find so frustrating is that they don't they often don't know um they don't know why people miscarry but although actually with that pregnancy they did some genetic testing on on the whatever they took out of me yeah. and they found out that it had a, an extra chromosome so all oh, right okay so that was reassuring that yeah. I knew it wasn't something that I so I kept feeling like maybe it's something I'm doing wrong mm. so that was in a way reassuring but so then I had this other, another, last summer I had another hysteroscopy and they found I had a large polyp in me and various other bits of tissue and they, they took a lot of it out of me. And I woke up and they said to me, oh, we've put two coils in you to stop your womb collapsing. We're putting, we're, we're, putting, we're putting you on HRT. And I had no context to any of this. I just thought they were, you know, just doing a bit of investigation. And, and I, and I. And also the words HRT being said HRT, to you when you're trying to get when pregnant. When I was trying to get pregnant. And, oh, we put two coils in to stop your, 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 your womb collapsing. I, I read this on the bit of paper that was next to me in a woke up from the general anesthetic and they were like oh you can go home now and I, and I was just like I've got some so, questions sorry, so is no one going to talk to me about this oh this is God. so and I remember going home and this was, it was pretty much exactly a year ago thinking God well this is never going to happen this is never going to happen for me now I'm taking HRT I've got coils in me um, I, I pushed and pushed and pushed and I eventually went to see the consultant who did the operation but they never they never came to see me afterwards it was the strangest thing I mean the NHS have actually been really really generally quite good through this but I found that experience was was not so great. And she explained what they'd done and it was all for a good reason. You know, they'd cleared me out and they didn't want the womb to collapse down. So trying to stop it from collapsing with these coils. Anyway, the coils were eventually taken out. It's eventually off the HRT. And really long story short, we then decided in the autumn to have one more roll of the dice. Do you think it would have been one more roll of the dice? How how, how do you put, did you set out and did you go, we're going to do this no, many tries? Or no, no. no. And, and the whole way through, my husband said to me, whenever you want to stop, will stop. It must have been hard for him to watch. Yeah, I think I think he found it I think he found it difficult to see. There's been times where I really have just found it really tough on my mental health. Mm. Um and I, I think the thing I found really hard is that friends and family just haven't really understood. You know, there've been times where I've been really really struggling with it and I just felt like quite lonely because I didn't really know anybody else who was going through anything similar and it was, was really, really hard. And I, I don't know whether it would have been the final roll of the dice. Maybe I would have found, you know, the, the strength to carry on with it. But the weirdest thing though, Kat, so I had another embryo and um, my my dad um, really sat, unfortunately got very ill and he passed away just three days before the embryo went in. Oh, I'm sorry. And the embryo was about three, four days old and I got pregnant. Oh, wow. So... Oh, I got goosebumps. I know, it's really, it's really <laughs> honestly. And my, my mum, not my mum not being very helpful, kept going, come on, Philip. And I was like, mum, stop putting this pressure on Stop putting this pressure on That's me. very sweet. So I was sweet though, because she kept thinking, you know, it's something to do with my, you know, the spirit of my dad. But, but isn't that beautiful? Because 
everybody finds some faith in yeah. in terrible moments that yeah. happen like that yeah. and whatever people want to whatever. believe or whatever gets people through yeah. as well so I can't even tell you how grateful I am that I, I, every at every point I kept thinking God this is going to fail again and I wanted the scans they said oh it's a bit small and that for me has always been the sign that I it was going I was going to then lose it and I thought oh gosh this is happening for the fifth I can't I said I said to Chris if I have a fifth miscarriage I really am done I can't mm. if it's a negative pregnancy test that's one thing but if I get pregnant again and have a fifth miscarriage I can't I can't do that again yeah. so I, I, I thought we were we were heading that way and then for some reason this it's hung on and um, I, yeah, I'm due now next month with my second baby so thank you Philip <laughs> thank, thank you, you Philip. Philip although although my mum said to him as he was dying that I would name the baby after I was him. just gonna say <laughs> little girl called Philip I mean no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> my mum is called Philippa oh no oh no Philip, oh the pressure Philippa to Philippa so I'm not I'm not I, Chris is like we cannot you call can't do the child after her. my mother-in-law can't I can't do, do it, it. I can't do it <laughs> oh god hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. How's the pregnancy been? Yeah, it's, I think I think anyone that's got pregnant after infertility will tell you that you you just feel on edge the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it and through a, you know a pregnancy and I hadn't had a miscarriage yeah. before that. And it's between those scans, you're fine for a day or two, aren't you? And then you're like. Okay, well, I want to have another look in there now. Oh, and I, I was like, if I could get something, I could just it. constantly look. If I could look. literally buy myself yeah. one of those ultrasound yeah. units, so I could just scan I'd be myself there all day. every day. I would just... That's just how do, I felt. Because you're like, oh, I haven't felt it. Yeah. And before they start moving as well, oh, I found yeah. that panic between the scans. They were too far away. Oh, they're so... They, they, just, they don't, on the NHS, it's like 12 weeks and 20 weeks. And yeah. that's all you that's get. That's all you it's get. It's just not enough, is yeah. it? So I, we definitely went privately a couple of times for scans, which are horribly expensive. But just for my peace of mind, I just wanted to see that there's still the baby inside. Yeah, understandable after what you've and been doing. And then they've they've been really good, actually. Um, they've been scanning me every four weeks. Great. Which I've, I've really, really needed. I think I will not relax until I'm holding no, the baby I, in I my... No, I completely understand that. Holding the baby yeah. in my arms. But so how long have you got left then until the baby's arriving? Just over a month. I didn't tell people for such a long time because I kept thinking I didn't want to jinx it 
I didn't want to jinx something going wrong. Um, but now I definitely am relaxing a bit more into it and really just honestly extremely excited about meeting her. It's, yeah, of course. And my daughter, who's, oh, bless her, she's wanted a sibling for so long. And I remember she's remarkably in tune to what's been happening, even though we've not told her. I remember the first time I had the first miscarriage, I was crying in the toilet and she came in, I think she was about two and she said, I'm never going to have a sister. That's what she said. And I didn't, hadn't even told her what was no. happening, but she obviously picked it no, up from do. conversations yeah, yeah, that I was yeah. having with, That's with terrifying, my husband. That's terrifying, it? so terrifying. And she went off crying. I was like, oh my gosh, I've not even said anything. And then she said to me, um, I remember, I think it was after, I don't know, the, the third time trying. She said to me, mommy, can you have another seed put in your tummy? Because I really would like to have a brother or a sister. That pressure too. I know, <laughs> I You're know, being sweet. I but... know, it's really sweet. Um, really, really sweet. So in her mind, I've been having seeds put in my tummy that haven't quite grown. And it's quite a beautiful which way Which is quite a nice it. way of thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, I found it really hard to imagine that it's really happening yeah. um, when, you know, when you've, when you've, been on the been on such a weird journey it's sort of weird to imagine that this is actually gonna happen but it's a very wriggly baby so oh really it's really nice because with my daughter I had um, a placenta which was on top of her so (laughs) So I couldn't feel anything at all oh wow so this for me is such a different experience like feeling feeling the baby move is I felt I felt it was really alien like to at the end it was like I just felt really it is strange but I just I feel uh, whenever I feel I move, I just feel lucky. I feel, yeah. you know, I feel. Have I, you had any cravings? I've had no weird cravings, disappointingly. Mm, I didn't no, have just lemon. No. I really wanted lemons all the time. That was no. it, really. But I'm very it's much looking weird. forward to having a glass of wine. Yes, <laughs> get that champagne on ice, ready for yeah, when the baby's Because you obviously can't do it through the IVF either, so it's been a. I was oh, so yeah. there's all that time as all well. All that yeah, time, yeah, yeah. all that time, and. I mean, that's not the be all and end all, but no, I mean, but it is, it's, it's even, well, even just having a cup of coffee, you yeah. know, there are certain things that you just, when every time you go through the IVF, they give you a lot, oh, it's so funny. They give you a list of things that you can't do. It's like everything, everything, it's like everything <laughs> of pleasure, but remove all joy for your life. No alcohol, no caffeine, no physical exercise, you know, strenuous exercise. No, it's, and it's no hot bath. It's such a ridiculous list. You look at it and you think, but these are all the things I like. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all the things that actually, you know, sometimes, I mean, I know in the lead up to me getting pregnant, I think I'd been out the, oh, like, the month the oh, before. Oh, you, I, I saw a TikTok the other day, this girl that she's been on like three Hindus since she found yeah. out that she was pregnant. So I'm sure it probably doesn't, in the early days, doesn't make that no, much no, difference. No. But I think you get to the point when you're doing the IVF, you think I'm going to follow every of rule. Of course, so, like, Precious. Out. Or each, at each point, I was like, I got more and more strict that I cut out all caffeine. And, you know, I would just, I was so strict. So I was like, anything that works. Um, and I think they're no, because they're quite funny as well about pushing it too much with the exercise. So, you know, I, and I quite enjoy, you know, going out and doing, you know, doing something. So I, I had to really rein it in with, you know, not, not pushing it too hard. Well, not long left. You've got four yes. weeks. I know. Baby's going to be know. here. Baby Philippa, so Philip, Philip, whatever you decide to call <laughs> baby in the end. Um, what inspired you to create the personalised IVF journal? Yeah, so so obviously I run a stationery company and a lot of our products are inspired by kind of real things that, you know, we've been through. So we have a book journal, which was inspired by me about by me falling back in love with reading, which is really popular. I've been amazed about how popular that has been. Um, and I think with the IVF journal, I know firsthand how lonely it can be and mm. what a roller coaster of emotions you go through. And I really wanted to create something that would help other people that are going through the same thing. So the idea behind the IVF journal uh, is that you can use it by yourself if you're going through IVF by yourself or with a partner. It works for same sex, same sex couples as much as it does for mixed sex couples. And it is there to kind of help you both practically. So 
remembering what injection to do when, which yeah. I have to tell you is harder than you think. Yeah, you a lot of admin. Oh, so much that you can't remember what side of you you've done it all. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and which one you've got to take each day. And so both practically, but also, you know, emotionally to sort of process it all. So it's got lots of really helpful bits in to log, you know, your protocol and all the different things you need to do along the way. But also it's got some really lovely self-care things in there and some nice things to help you. Yeah, some tips so, about you know, what you do. you talked about what you do in that two-week wait. Yeah. It's that, you just feel like you're going mad and you just want to test, do a pregnancy test yeah. every day. So it's got some really lovely journaling prompts for that time. And I, 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 I didn't, I really didn't know what to expect when I pulled it together. It was just something that I really was passionate about, about creating and it's really nice as well. It's personalised. You can add somebody's name to the front nice. of it. And yeah, I've been really blown away by the reaction since we launched it. I've had really positive response from people. And we've actually even had some IVF clinics looking at ordering it for oh, their amazing. patients, which yeah, is lovely. really unbelievable. I was thinking what a beautiful gift for someone because it's very hard to know it's what to really say hard. and to, to know how to support someone. So yeah. maybe a, a, something like that would be a beautiful yeah, gift. Yes, so if, if for somebody that's just embarking on their own journey, it covers the whole of, you know, covers the whole of your cycle. And... You know, I found for me going through it, some of the times when I, th- I really felt I was going mad, I would just, I just needed to write stuff down to get it out of my, out of my head. And it's also a really nice keepsake, you know, at the end of it. Um, and it's a lovely gift, but also something you can get for yourself to, to, to help, to help you if you're going through the same process. Yeah, it's a beautiful um, idea. Thank you. Okay, no, and where, where can people find it? So they can find it on our website, which is Martha Brook. So www.marthabrook.com. It's the personalised IVF journal. And we do now also have a pregnancy journal. Which, <laughs> which I'm so excited to be able to, able to pull together. And um, yes, yeah, so a lot of our products are very much inspired by things that, you know, I genuinely find helpful myself as somebody that likes writing things down. Um, but we've got all sorts of other beautiful personalised station on there that works really well as gifts. Yeah, go and check it out. It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, we have got a message from a listener. It comes from Claire on WhatsApp. For those of you who do want to get in touch, our WhatsApp number is 075-999-27537. And I've probably read that really weirdly because when you first see a number and read it, you don't know if you do it in fives, threes and threes or in a different way. Anyway, that's the number. Right, here we go then. So this is from Claire. I'm really enjoying your podcast and uh, Instagram content from you, Martha. It's so refreshing to see someone championing women in such an open and honest way and to hear the shared experiences of lots of women on your podcast. That's to Ash. I'm 26 and I've just been diagnosed with endometriosis. It's so common, affecting an estimated one in nine women. That's very high, isn't it? Um, It's so shrouded in mystery, as we were talking about before. I think it's a condition that needs better PR. I would love to hear you talk to some women with this condition on your podcast, especially in terms of trying to conceive. I've always wanted children, but I thought... Uh, I would choose to do so later in life. It's such an isolating experience trying to learn about endometriosis and its effect of chances of conceiving as it's so taboo and just not spoken about enough. Thank you for sharing your own experiences and giving other women a voice. That's from Claire. Any tips? Is there any way you can go? Is there any research it, it that's fantastic that she's found out in her 20s, I would say. I think that's really, really great. Um, I definitely think I presume she, because she's got the diagnosis, she's seen a specialist. I, I, I think my, my first thing is don't assume, I think she's already thinking like this, that it's just going to be easy. And it's hard to say don't wait until you get into your 30s because I think a lot of us do nowadays. And, and obviously, one thing I just, you're not really aware of is how sharp your fertility drops off as you get older. So I think definitely for her, 
you know, starting, if she can have something like a hysteroscopy or a laparoscopy where they can clear some of it out, it can really help your chances of conceiving. Um, so I don't know whether that's been offered to her as an, as an option. Um, there are other things that you can do to kind of manage the endometriosis to, to kind of keep it at bare bit. So she should definitely talk to, you know, her consultant about that. Or, or if she's not in a relationship right now, she could go through the process of having her eggs collected, which, it you know can help because you've got them then um, for storage. For me, the issue was never producing the eggs, although I did have a lot of endometriosis around one of my ovaries. It was the fact that through having sex, I was never going to get pregnant because of where the, some of the endometriosis is in it, sort of killing off the sperms it comes in. Oh, wow. So I think it also it depends where your endometriosis is. If you've got a lot of it in the kind of ovary area, it's really, really difficult to get pregnant because... They just don't, they don't get down. Mm. So, um, yeah, she could look at possibly egg collection. She could, I think, look, definitely looking at what treatment options she can have now. So she's not leaving it to her thirties, but if she is in a relationship, it's something she could think about possibly earlier. Although I know that doesn't work for everybody. I think a lot of us don't, you know, meet the right person or, or think about doing this until our thirties. I know. I mean, I didn't no. meet my other half till I was 37, no. I think 36. No. So, so it's like, there's, so, there's so much, there's so much pressure. And you but, can't go on your no. second date. Shall we? No. Shall we but I, but try I, now? No, but I, I didn't take anything at all to manage this, you know, until I was in my 30s. So I think the fact that she knows about this is great. I think definitely talking to somebody who is an expert in both fertility and endometriosis is really, really important as, as my as my guy was because he does both IVF and he does the endometriosis stuff. So finding somebody like that and, and, and having the conversation with them and seeing what they would advise you, I think is great. And she's absolutely right, though. We don't talk about this enough. I think it's as common in women as diabetes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's terrifying. Know, as common in women as asthma. You know, we, and it is crazy that we, we haven't been talking about this enough. And that people are just brushing it off as it's a heavy period. It's a heavy period. It's not a heavy period. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's, it's something that you, you can affect, you know, many organs of your body. And if left untreated, is much more likely to affect your fertility. So I definitely think she should investigate. If, if, some, if something feels wrong, I if think If something it feels wrong, I mean, it's fantastic she's got the diagnosis. I yeah. think that says to me she's hopefully already, you know, having somebody that's... Because you can't really get a diagnosis nowadays without having some sort of internal investigation. So hopefully she's got a better understanding of whereabouts it's affecting her, her body because that's important because it can be... It depends on the severity of it as well. I've had some really lovely messages on Instagram from people that have been through similar experiences who I know um, have found it themselves extremely difficult to conceive. Are there some good, um, I was going to say, are there some good groups that you can join? Are there some... The Endometriosis Society are really good, actually. They do a lot of, they do, they've got a lot of good resources. I've never really joined a group myself. I would say that if you're thinking about going through IVF, to have, find somebody to be IVF fairy, <laughs> to, who can, who can be at the end of, you know, end of a WhatsApp or whatever, yeah, who's been through it, because it is quite, it is quite No one tough. really understands. No one, no one really gets it, it unless they've done it themselves. So even if it's just someone you follow, I've had a few people now who messaging me as they're going through it and I've, I've actually really enjoyed you know supporting them through the process because I know what it, I know what it's like um and how hard it how hard it can be when you don't know anyone else yeah. around you that's been through something similar so I wish this lady all, all the best yeah with it, thank it you so hard. thank you very much for that and thank you Martha it's been so wonderful to meet you thank so you for nice. being so open and honest and congratulations thank you and we can't wait to see I mean we'll we'll do your babies go on your Instagram? Do you pop them on there? Will we see them? Well, my, my first daughter, bless her, she's called Hermione. She um she was she was all over the Instagram, but um we'll we'll see we'll see with the baby. We look forward to seeing baby's feet maybe in the picture when she, we'll when see. she gets here. Thank you, Martha. It's been Thank a pleasure. You, Kat. 
We love to hear from you. Get in touch on WhatsApp where you can send us a voice message for free, even anonymously if you want to, at 75 or you can email us at askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com. Askmumsthewordpod at gmail.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It all helps. We're going to be back with another episode, same time, same place next week. 